from the Three Story Method Podcast Network. This is the Serial Fiction Show. I'm Christine Daigle. And I'm J.P. Reinbush. Welcome to the Writer's Serial Fiction Show. If you haven't listened to today's story, we'd encourage you to pause and go listen to Sylvia Hubbard's episode in our companion podcast first. We can only play half the episode. So if you like what you hear, check out the first three episodes free on Kindle Vela. The link is in the show notes. So JP, we are batch recording as we do because we have a lot of stuff coming up. But mm-hmm. we have an excellent question. So today's guest talks about how she created her own website. To learn yes. from other authors. And I'm yes. curious, how do you learn from other authors? What are your best tips for places to learn businesses about the craft that you find extremely useful? We'd love to hear about it. Yeah. I know for me, uh, it's the Author Life Mastermind Group, or I guess they're not Mastermind Group, but just the whole community itself. Um, that's been an excellent resource. Uh, for Vela, Book Genie has been an excellent resource as well. Um, mm-hmm. that's what I, I really enjoy those too. How about you? Yeah, the same. And, you know, just discords with other authors that have been doing it. Those are my best resources right now. So yeah. Awesome stuff. Yay. Tell us all of the things. Tell us all your secrets. Yes. Let's be friends. So JP, let's talk so about pro writing aid. And as they say on their website, it is the secret to polished and professional writing. As writers, we make the same mistakes. You use Pro Writing Aid, you can get clear, easy steps to improve your writing so you can share your ideas with confidence. Whether you're doing creative writing, business writing, academic writing, just composing an email and you want to sound smart, Pro Writing Aid will help you. And there's something new. What is it, JP? So Atticus, which is a wonderful program uh, that includes book formatting and it is developing aspects for writers so that it can basically be a one-stop shop for writers, has an integration with ProWritingAid now. Uh, so we've mentioned before that ProWritingAid has a lot of integrations with you know Google Docs and uh, Microsoft Word and now Atticus, which just makes, uh, one, it makes that tool Atticus really... Uh, shiny and nice for authors that are looking for a one-stop place. But it's just the fact that providing aid can integrate with so many programs so that you're able to use this sort of last line defense before handing it off to someone. Um, it just makes it so much easier. I love using ProWriting Aid because then I don't have people that are editing it looking for simple mistakes that I can find using ProWriting Aid that I can learn from. And instead they're looking at the deeper content and they're able to notate that. Um, so I just find writing it so nice. So I love it when I hear a new integration has happened. Absolutely. Check out ProWritingAid. It will help you be a better writer. ProWritingAid.com. Use our discount code Serial20. S-E-R-I-A-L-20. So JP, let's talk about LaterPress. So LaterPress is a platform built to help authors uh, declare their independence. It lets authors create digital books and sell them directly to their readers through their own branded website. And there are new things uh, coming to the platform every day in terms of discoverability and new features. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. So I actually, I put nerds on LaterPress and it was a really easy and really fast uh, process, which was pretty cool. And one of the cool things was you can put a collection 
and then you can put your uh like we put nerds in the collection uh so that ideally if we do any spin-offs or if we do any like season two or like specifying those pieces you can put those books in the collection which yeah. is really nice and it's a really nice way of like hierarchical hierarchical uh pieces to it which is really cool yeah um yeah, and it basically gives you your own website. Ours is nrds.laterpress.com. And you just direct your readers straight there and they see nerds. It it doesn't get blocked by anything else. There are no ads in the way. There are no, like nothing. It's just straight up nerds content for your readers to get straight to reading, uh, which is uh, different than some other platforms, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and I did the same thing, um, although I uploaded... Uh, all of my books to a collection just so I had one place, you know, to, to direct mm-hmm. readers. And so I have Molecule Thief, Dark is Away, and the Steampunk Emerald Key is up there. So it's one link. People can see all your books and you can order them whatever way you want, uh, you know, or your yeah. cereals. You can put cereals up as well. And uh, yeah, and you can do it on a subscription model or pay per book. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, which was a, a really cool... Yeah. yeah, the pricing thing was pretty cool. Figuring out uh, either doing per book or some type of a subscription model uh, just to kind of give your readers different abilities to uh, support you. Because some people really like the, you know, it's basically like a Patreon, but yep. you just get content to read. Yep. And the cut is just 5%. Yeah. So test it out. Try it out. Yep. Laterpress.com. See you later, press. All right. So first episode starts off with a handsome doctor saying, are you sure you want this? I am curious. How do you go about hooking readers in with those first few lines? Uh, I I do the, I kill the cat and then explain it later, I guess. <laughs> I, I always try to just jump into the story. Um, I, I really want to get the reader just in there and feel Raina's plight of let's just do this let's just hurry up and and rip the band-aid off and keep it going I I I wanted that that certain anxiousness that we feel where we are we're in this healing process and we just wanted to hurry up and get it over with which a lot of people can can relate to and I wanted the reader to really just jump into Raina's heart and see how hard it was breaking and she just, she was just, let's do this. Let's get this done with, you know, I, I just, I just want to make sure my life just goes on. I want to take the next step instead of falling down and crumpling into a ball of crying, <laughs> which she really wanted to do. So, yeah. And I'm curious about uh, whether you use theme when you're, you're shaping your work. Cause when we were looking at this, it was, you know, <clears throat> JP and I were seeing that it was kind of about you can get through things. So some things are worth enduring for the right price. You can get back up. Do you use theme to shape your work at all? Or what does that look like for you? I really don't think about the theme until the ending. And then I'm like, okay, what theme did I leave? (laughs) (laughs) Which is terrible. But I've been writing for, for so long that my main goal is to bring a character to life and and show and learn a lesson where where everyone has has gone through one or some of the struggles that the character is going through so 
Um, more or less, my my themes would be emotional healing um, and how our lives can change if we let the right person in. So that basically is more of a, an emotional theme or emotional kind of leeway into just life itself. So, but my main goal is that I want the reader to walk away always in my book, knowing that, you know, love is always there and it, it's not just the love of another person, but it's the love of self. And that's what they're learning and it, since it's like a billion ways to fall in love, and I'm only at, what, book 60, I got a long way to go. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of material to work with. Right. Uh, so in this first episode, we have our protagonist, Rena, and it seems like her motivation or her want is money, more or less. And this need is this some type of control or worthiness after her father's death. I'm curious, mm -hmm. how do you go about creating uh, characters' motivations and wants and needs? I kind of look at myself um, at different points in my life and how I felt at that point and then go from there. Because uh, I, I can write what I know better than anything. <laughs> And I had been a single mom for so long. And then I had, prior to that, I had been on a journey, kind of like Raina, um, thinking that I hadn't really deserved, you know, the love of my father because we had had such a tumultuous relationship after I graduated from high school and I got into, you know, I'm grown kind of thing. And, and I didn't want to like say, hey, I, I just really want you to say you're proud of me. So I kind of got into that headspace of, you know, we we look at our parents as a validation and we really would like them to just turn to us and say, you know, you're a pretty good kid, you know, especially when we're grown. We just we still want them to say that to us. You know, you're a pretty good kid. <laughs> and, and and Raina had denied herself because she was so ashamed of that. And once she got it, it just renewed her spirit. It, it was like, hey, thank you. Now I, I know what I need to do and I cannot settle for anything less. So, and, and that's what, so I try to sit and figure out what are things in people's lives that would realistically push someone into the new story. Yeah. And that was one of the things. Rena needed a change. And aside from committing suicide, which is what, <laughs> what would be the next thing, because she was so miserable, um, this is what she needed. Unfortunately, her father had to die in order for her to see she needed something better and not settle for less. Yeah. So. And I think you really set that up nicely in the construction of your first episode, uh, JP and I like to break down scenes and look at construction. Um, so the conflict, there's a lot of conflict in this scene, but one of the main conflicts is when uh, Tatiana calls and she has to decide whether she's going to do that again. Like, is she going to have that conversation? Is she going to continue where she left off or not? And she just pretends she has another call. She's like, I got to go. I can't talk to you. I'm moving Wait. on. Um, 
And then we are kind of left with this cliffhanger and we believe that Tatiana knows nothing about her plans and it's just a disaster waiting to happen. So can you talk <laughs> a little bit about how you um, construct episodes for Vela or serials? It's a, it's a magical uh, <laughs> box that opens up <laughs> and says, surprise, cliffhanger. <laughs> um, so how I construct it is in the deep recess of, recesses of my mind, it's kind of like a writing muscle memory. I know that the, write, the reader, I keep in mind, that, you know, the end user. So the end user eyes get tired between 1,500 to 2,500 words. It's a scientific fact. No matter what kind of device they're reading on, staring at a screen, even if they have the, the reading light on and everything, your eyes tend to start get tired between 15 to 2,500. So as I'm constructing the scene, I know that I have to have so many elements into this scene and that every scene has to count. We have to keep moving forward. But between 1,500 and 2,500, I start to get into that thing where, where are we going to cut this off at to keep them going to the next one? And literally it's funny because people say, Oh my God, like, yeah, they did dub me cliffhanger queen. Cause I got so good at it. Like I would have people like I used to, I call my readers sneak readers because literally they would read during the day at work and trying to sneak on their phone, trying to read. And one girl said it was so good. She was screaming in the bathroom and dropped her phone in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because they would like sneak at work and sneak, you know, wherever they were, they were trying to sneak and read. It, it was so funny. But yeah, a lot of times they're telling me they're screaming at their phone. They're, you know, they jump into the next chapter because they have to find out what is going on. And I used to put like a, a statement at the beginning, you know, please don't threaten me. <laughs> So do not, do not threaten or call me up. They used to call me up and ask what's going to happen next. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm just as confused as you. So, so putting those, you know, things together and making it into a cliffhanger, usually as I'm typing, and for some reason, it's a muscle memory at this point, because I've been doing it for so long, 1500, 2500. I'm looking for the the final arc to go into the next part. So I'm cutting it off then and yeah, let's let's keep it going and keep their blood rushing. And I don't try to do like a high cliffhanger each time because I don't think you should. I kind of, I, I have like, there are low cliffhanger things, you know, low hanging fruit and then high above uh, things. So I, I kind of vary it. So I'll do low, low, medium, low, and then bam, high. So usually after each chapter, you're going up and down the tree, depending on what kind of fruit I want you to pick. So I know that this is, it's just so hard to explain. <laughs> it's like when you've been doing sense. it so long, it's like, oh, I just, I just throw it up on the screen and then it just happens. <laughs> it's, it becomes a muscle memory for sure. Yeah, right. Right. So I'm curious, what makes a good steamy romance? A lot of description. 
<laughs> and not just uh, not just using your your eyes as 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 a writer. It, it, you have to use your other senses. You have to use your taste. You have to use your hearing. You have to use your touch. Um, you want to bring the reader in like a fly on the wall. Like if the characters are sweating, you're sweating. <laughs> if, the, if the characters are breathless, you're breathless. And that's what I, I want them to feel. I want them to feel what the characters are feeling in, in the heightened parts of the story. So, you know, steam, you know, literally steam is going to come off the page. That's what I want. <laughs> I do want that because like you, you, it's so much fun. <laughs> it's just, it's so much fun to be pulled into like the story and know like this, this sexual tension is going on between them. Um, and then even after like the first time it is still like, okay, do I want more? And the, of course the readers want more, but when is it going to happen again? And even though the, in, in this story, the readers know that it is going to happen again. It's like, what's going to happen next? What is Beth going to do to change the game for her each time? So that was kind of fun is coming up with it. Uh, different ways, I guess you can say, <laughs> creative ways to to do the the steaminess. So that that was kind of fun. But yeah, using more of your senses instead of just your eyes. And literally, a lot of times when I'm doing the steamy parts, I'm closing my eyes and concentrating on what she's feeling, what she's hearing, what she's you know uh smelling and and that's what makes it like more of a 3d experience instead of just a 2d yeah that's great advice so you have two serials on vela one complete and the other ongoing and you also have a large catalog of novels what uh -huh. have you learned from writing serials and has that impacted your writing in other ways it does. It, it teaches me cliffhangers a lot. <laughs> I mean, you learn if you you do cliffhangers really well, you're you're good. Because I guess I'm pretty good. Because you know the serial right now I'm writing. We're at a hundred and two, and they're still coming in. I'm just I'm shocked. <laughs> but uh, the the cliffhangers I learn, and really getting to the action fast. Um, in serials, you have to keep it going. You're, you're on a high most of the time. Um, so it, in the serials, I had, you learn how to really get to the action, you know, really get that running and keep running, um, and bring it into when you write regular fiction. Uh, it, it's kind of almost hard to slow it down. Um, even though, you know, I'll take it easy sometimes, but yeah, usually in even in my regular fiction, I'm let's keep going, let's move it, and and I'm I'm more of the writer is if it don't if it don't move the story forward, I toss it out. I, I don't have time for you know long dramatic looking at flowers. Um, is this going to kill somebody or is this going to help me? <laughs> Maybe help them fall in flowers. love. So it either has to do with the suspense element or it has to do with the love element. Um, if it doesn't, then it's gone. And then, you know, we just, you're, you know, we keep rolling on. So 
it teaches you how to write fast too. That's the third thing that it teaches you how to write fast. So usually like a hundred thousand word I can do within three to four months easily. Yeah. I just sit down and do 3000 words almost every day or between two to three days. I'm just, I can put it down and then it's a hundred thousand words between yeah, three to four months. I can do that. So yeah, the, those are the three things that teach you. <laughs> so I like it. So it's good. So in the early 2000s, you created the Motown Writers Network to provide an education and networking bridge to Michigan authors online and offline. Uh, what made you create this network and how has it grown since its first iteration? So the story behind Motown. <laughs> Um, I was very broke <laughs> and I had just come out with a book. I had no idea how to promote this book. I, I kind of jumped into the, the, uh, print on demand when it first came out. And so I sent my book in six weeks later, bam, on my porch, I was an author and I, I, I kind of did the backwards kind of learning thing where I learned about marketing first before I really learned about the craft of, of real writing and publishing. You know, I'm, I'm trying to promote this book and I have no idea, like no one, you have to wake up and say, how do I get my book to somebody in Australia? And back then, no one, <laughs> no one knew how to do anything on the internet. Um, no one didn't even consider that it was all going to bookstores and everything. So I would go to other authors because if you want to know something, you go to, you know, people who are already doing it. Well, authors would tell me, well, you got to, you got to buy my book. You got to buy my program. You got to come to my event. You got to, you got to uh, do the workshop. You got to, and it was like hoops. Like I had to keep jumping through hoops. Unfortunately, I had three kids to feed and uh, the government will send you to jail if you don't. <laughs> darn government. Oh, darn, darn it. <laughs> so I couldn't afford to do that. And people would say, okay, well, you can volunteer. You can do this. And it was like, okay, how can I get this information faster without pain? Now, I'm not going to say this is a good thing I did, but. I learned how to create a website. And so I was like, oh, I can create this website. And it was going to be like a fake website where I would interview authors because I found out when you interview them, they tell you everything. You don't got to buy nothing. You don't even got to buy a book. You don't even got to read the book. You just got to be like, oh, yeah, you wrote this great suspense. <laughs> let's talk about it. And they'll tell you, well, OK, let's say you're doing marketing. How are you doing this? Oh, yeah. You go and you talk to this person. They'll give you the contact person, you know, what store they went to, what what company they used. So, and then I would write the article and put it up on the website. So this fake website had a subscription box that said, Hey, it's called Motown writers. You want to be a member, you know, subscribe to our website and you're a member. So, uh, about six months into this, you know, I go to this event 
And we had to put down what group we were in and uh, who we are and what group we were a part of to kind of get networking. So you meet other people that are in the group. So I was part of Detroit Working Writers at the time. So I'm walking around, you know, looking. And then I see somebody with a badge that says Motown Writers Network. And I'm like, oh, my God, did I steal somebody's writers group name? I might have to change my website. And I saw another person with it. And I was like, oh, my God, this, you know, I started getting scared. So I was like three or four people were walking around with Motown Writers Network. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have to take the site down tonight. So I just inquired to this girl, like, um, well, who is this Motown Writers Network? And she was like, oh, my God, it's just this fabulous site. <laughs> They got all this information on how to market your book, how to write your book. And because between like author interviews, I would post articles up that I found on the Internet, you know, and they'd get this big list of articles of writing, publishing and marketing. And actually, this was all stuff that I had found to kind of teach me how to do it. And I would just sit there and share it because I was like, OK, it needs fodder. Let's just post it here. And I kind of made it like a, a cabinet, a, a file cabinet for me and everything. So. And then she says, hey, and she calls somebody over. She wants to know about Motown writers. And the guy's, oh, you got to join. It's just fabulous. And this girl named Sylvia runs it. And I was like, oh, oh my God. I was like, what's this website name? <laughs> so I went home. It's like 75 people had subscribed. <laughs> like, there was like a group of them. <laughs> They were so excited. Like they loved it because they were getting this information. They were learning how to publish and market and, and write their book. And I just, I was like, oh, so if I stay selfish, <laughs> I'm helping everybody else. So, so mm -hmm. I call it my selfish love project. <laughs> oh, man. And yeah, so we've been growing. So that 75 subscription, we now have like over 10,000 people on the mailing list. And yeah, we hold like virtual meetings now. We've done conferences. We have speakers. It's yeah, it's grown into this monster of a selfish love project <laughs> oh i love that so much that's pretty smart and i'm glad that it ended up that way <laughs> i know because i had i was gonna take the site down i was like who is this <laughs> I, I stole somebody's writer's name i'm sorry <laughs> so with all of these other authors that you've interviewed for free advice what's the best marketing advice that you can give to new authors who may be publishing their works for the first time on serial platforms consistency is consistency is king um content is king but consistency is queen and she wears the pants <laughs> that, that's the best advice to know about marketing once you you got the content and of course just with the book itself is the content but being consistent in showing up is, is very important um just as a second piece of advice, um, once you become an author, you're you're still an uh, introvert as a writer, but you become when you become the author, you are in you are extrovert. You're you're uh, you're still the introvert, but you're pretending to be the extrovert. So you just have to pretend and keep going. So show up. You know those that show up go up, as Pam Perry says. Absolutely. <laughs> So as a final question, what would you say to someone looking to start a serial? Be ready. 
Um, whether you are a pantser or a plotter, I would say do at least a light outline. So at least you know, you know by the second act where it's going to go and then start writing. Um, that kind of helps you with it and you won't get a lot of frustration in, in doing it. So I kind of do know I am a pantser. So I, I usually start with a blank piece of paper. And then as I go, I write, you know, brain dump notes at the bottom of my thing. Um, so I kind of know uh, at least up to what my second act is going to be. I have no idea how it's going to end. <laughs> so that's always, I, I know what happens up to the crap hits the fan. And after that, we just, we're, we're just driving without a steering wheel after that. <laughs> but I usually say, I would say that best advice is at least know what you're up to your second act, your crap hits the fan moment. Um, and then you pretty much can, you know, free write and stay ahead of the, the audience and stay a, and stay a, and keep promote prom, pumping out your cereals. Perfect. Well, oh. thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Our thanks today to Sylvia Hubbard for letting us break down their episode. And, and that's, that's a wrap. wrap. It's just cool. I love it. I love the uh, city, and I love yeah. This I love writing about it because it's not a lot of books, especially in romance, about Detroit. No, there usually, be more. and usually in movies they say Detroit, and then all of a sudden it's the bad element. They're from Detroit, mm -hmm. and I then know. everybody's like, "Oh," and I'm like, "What's that?" <laughs>